Chris Reback. This is Working Capital Conversations, brought to you by Clayton Dubelier and Rice, supporting the people, ideas, and collaborations that build great businesses. Today, we explore entrepreneurialism, the spirit that drives it, and what it takes to turn that spiritual drive into tangible action. The journey takes us to hallowed halls at Harvard and Stanford, but it starts in perhaps a less likely location, the Philippines. The U.S. healthcare challenge is likely well known to listeners of this podcast, but the U.S. is far from the only country that struggles with access, cost, payment, coverage, and more. That's the challenge that students and entrepreneurs Zhao Wentang and Camille Ang have taken on in an award-winning, globally recognized way through Hive Health, a digital health insurer providing simplified, affordable, and quality health care to Filipino employees through a data science-powered platform. Hive Health was co-winner of the 2021 Dubalier Grand Prize at Harvard's prestigious New Ventures competition. The Dubalier Prize was established by Clayton Dubalier and Rice in 1998 in honor of CDNR co-founder Martin Dubalier to support entrepreneurship. This conversation not only digs into the business itself, but also, importantly, what it takes to bootstrap a new business from idea to reality. In other words, what it takes to be an entrepreneur. About the entrepreneurs themselves, Zhao Wentang is pursuing an MPA International Development degree at the Harvard Kennedy School and an MBA at Stanford's Graduate School of Business. She's worked on data science and digital development initiatives with the IMF, World Bank, and UN, and on economic development initiatives with TechnoServe Swaziland and its successor, Catalyze. She also served at Oliver Wyman, where she focused on consumer financial services and digital payments. Camille Ang is also pursuing an MPA international development degree at Harvard's Kennedy School and an MBA at the Harvard Business School. She worked in private equity at Macquarie, managed insurance funds, and played critical roles in the acquisition and management of companies across Southeast Asia. Camille also previously worked on public-private partnership projects in the government of the Philippines with McKinsey, as well as the Rwandan Development Board. Before my conversation with Zhao Wen and Camille, though, an ask from me to you. I hope you like these Working Capital Conversations, and if so, I'd appreciate if you'd take a moment, go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and if you're so moved, leave a five-star review. The ratings really matter. They go a long way to helping other people find the podcast. Thank you. Here's my conversation with Zhao Wen Tang and Camille Ang. Zhao Wen, Camille, thank you both uh, for taking the time. Thanks so much for having us. So let's start with the broad view. And Joanne, if we could, maybe we should start with you. What is Hive Health? How does it work? Hive Health is a digital health insurance company for small, medium businesses in the Philippines. And through dynamic risk underwriting and our digital platform, we simplify the process and the experience of accessing quality health care. And our goal is to make it affordable for everyone. Affordable healthcare is something that uh, is certainly important and in need um, worldwide. Why is it particularly needed in the Philippines? What's the state of health insurance and healthcare in the Philippines? Yeah, I guess it would be helpful to give a context compared to the U.S., which this audience is probably more um, familiar with. So in the Philippines, as well as a lot of emerging markets, we actually have capped monetary benefits. So when you get sick, you're not fully insured. You simply get a subsidy. 
Um, mm. In the Philippines, we do have universal health care. In fact, everyone is entitled to it. But in spite of that, it's not enough. You only get a small subsidy and out-of-pocket costs are at, are, at, are at more than 50% compared to 11% here in the U.S. And I know everyone complains about health care in multiple markets, including here in the U.S., but our yes. medical bankruptcies in terms of proportion are actually 10 times that of the U.S. And that's very painful um, coming from the Philippines myself. And the reason why health insurance, universal health insurance is not enough. Um, one is it's just budget space is not there, especially with COVID. It has significantly depleted our budget. And second, there's a lot of space for improvement in terms of having a more data-driven approach to target under coverage areas, using technology to streamline processes. And that's the main reason why universal health care is not enough and supplemental private plans are important to innovate on. And that's where we're entering. And I know that you both have business backgrounds. You also both have public policy interests and public policy backgrounds. Um, do you, when you see a challenge like this, do you see it as a business challenge? Do you see it as a public policy challenge? Is the um, attraction for both of you that it's both? Jowen, what's your thought on that? It's really not either or. And I think the reason why Camille and I are really excited about solving you know, health financing in, in this particular market is the fact that you know, we strongly believe a lot of the most challenging societal problems require some sort of public-private partnership. It's mm-hmm. really not just the government or private sector or social sector that can solve it alone. And particularly in healthcare, where there's so many stakeholders involved and the need to you know, align incentives and create you know, a system that people can operate um, in a sustainable and equitable fashion. It does require a policy angle, but um, I think innovation is something that we're also really interested in. I think that we've made a deliberate choice to pursue a, a business model because we think that is the best way and the most efficient way to create sustainable uh, systematic change. So let's talk about the business model and maybe even backing up a little bit from there in in terms of how you got to a business model. How did you know the business opportunity existed? Just because there's a a problem doesn't necessarily mean that there's a business opportunity. Um, how, How did you connect those two? Yeah, maybe we can talk about quick, briefly the problem and then the opportunity. Please. So for the problem, we both actually grew up in developing countries, myself, the Philippines, and Jowen in China. And we've heard countless times stories from family and friends who basically had to wipe out their savings, go into debt just because of health shocks. Mm-hmm. And for both of us, we think um, there must be a better way. Um, who should live and who should not, shouldn't be dictated by your wealth and here in the U.S., like we see a lot of innovations in healthcare, and we think um, there's a lot that the emerging markets can learn from that space. But secondly, in terms of opportunity, so I mentioned there's a lot of innovations in the space that um, still needs to reach the like emerging markets world. Um, but on top of that, I think we all know COVID has changed our lives, and because of COVID, there has been an acute awareness of the need for quality health insurance amongst the average Filipino. And there has been an insane increase in digitization of services, being able to avail of basic services such as healthcare. And with a large middle class that's growing, digitization and COVID 
there is a clear opportunity here to disrupt the market. And we're very excited to be entering the space at this. Did I see one of your statistics? Is there 90% mobile penetration in the Philippines? That's correct. That combined with a rising middle class, that's pretty remarkable. So that translated then in your minds to the business opportunity. You're, You're entrepreneurs. Was there a light bulb that went off? Yeah, it's funny. When I imagined entrepreneurship, I always thought I would there would be a light bulb that went off. And I think I waited for quite a long time for the light bulb to go off and it and it didn't. Joe, and that makes the rest of us feel a lot better. Thank you. Thanks for doing that. But I think what helped, there are definitely key points when I reflect on the journey. So I think one of the first is you know meeting Camille. We're classmates um, at HKS and we're um, as well as uh, business school students. We have, we're, we're from very different backgrounds, but we share the same values and the same drive to, to build something new. And as we discussed, and then think in terms of specific, uh, catalysts, I would say, uh, we actually, you know, really utilize the resources that we had our, re- our respective schools, including, um, a free Stanford incubator program that we participated in. And through that program, we spent a summer kind of ideating and going through lots of different ideas. And I think we pivoted at least three or four times before we settled on this one. And so it's, it wasn't really a, a light bulb going off, but it was this slow, iterative, wandering process. And this is one of the ideas that kind of stuck, but um, it's no, by no means a linear process. That's very helpful and uh, reassuring for the rest of us who are, you know, sitting and waiting for that light bulb to go off. And it, uh, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't always happen. And what were the reactions um, within the marketplace? Uh, you, your, your clients are, it's, it's, it's it's a b to b to c offering yes so your clients are philippine employers what was the reaction from uh from the philippine employers a quote that i always remember is well from the employee side um how they called what we're trying to do a game changer generally there's a large excitement that hey someone's entering the market and innovating a very sleepy um space that is just like ripe for disruption but um, from the employer side, they know that employees are not only tired of confusing limited health plans, um, like th- there is a large demand because of COVID to like really have quality healthcare. So from the employer side, if they want to attract quality talent, retain talent and keep people productive, it's almost necessary already, even if you're a small, medium business um, it- and so explain it. So so literally, how does it work? Literally, what does Hive Health offer? Um, what do the employers see? What do employees see? Um, how, how is it helping uh, the experience from end to end? It, literally, what does it do? So I think the, the simplest way to explain it is we offer employer-based health plans to small, medium businesses. And so the way that our model works is the employer actually has a you know, a choice in terms of whether you know funding the full amount or um, you know partial contributions from employees, and it's you know, similar to U.S. It's a you know it's an annual health plan that provides them access to a, a nationwide network of doctors, hospitals, clinics. Does the digitization and does the data science portion of it is that helpful on the employer side in terms of identifying the health plans, or is it? helpful on the employee side in terms of identifying 
point of care solutions? Mm-hmm. And we, we, where, where does the data science play in? I would say it's all of the above. It's there's a health education awareness piece when you know, they're making the purchasing decision about which health benefits, which plans uh, to, to pick. Right now, it's very confusing to figure out uh, what is actually in your plan, what's actually covered. It's also in the actual you know, patient member experience of availing care. So understanding where to go um, understanding how exactly to uh, to understanding how exactly to uh, to you know, file for reimbursements to um, to to track what's um, what you've utilized, and from the employer side, you know, figuring out how to manage the employee health plan in terms of you know, employees leaving or joining, and compared to what the status quo is. Um, previously, you have traditional insurers who have confusing and limited um, health plans, so we simplify that so that people clearly understand what is part of their health plan, they're able to easily avail of it because um, it's not confusing. And we're, our philosophy is we don't want to prevent you from utilizing your plan so we can mm. get like more profit. Our theory is we want to make it very accessible. So when people are able to take care of themselves in the long term, that's also like better for us. Um, secondly, Historically, there have been multiple long approvals. We've heard of stories where they would have to wait six hours just to get a pre-approval to avail of care. So mm-hmm. we want to shorten that. And lastly, in terms of customer service, there's a lot of stories on unreliable customer service where you call them and even for the full day, you're, you aren't able to reach them. So we want to break that status quo and basically make health insurance more accessible um, to the population. You have also gotten very, very positive reaction in some venture competitions. Tell me about Harvard's new venture competition in particular. What made you decide to enter it? What was the competition like? And did you think you had a chance to win? Yeah, I guess in terms of what made us decide to enter Coming from Southeast Asia myself, I always looked up to the HBS NVC because of companies like Grab, where they came out of HBS, won the NVC, and really made a difference in the lives of people in emerging markets. Mm. Um, but also, we thought it was a great platform to test out ideas, um, get feedback. In terms of what the competition was like, we thought it was just, to be honest, like one one shot feedback, but it was several rounds multiple feedback from founders and investors that we look up to. And that really allowed us to refine our pitch and even our business model go to market. Um, And I thought that was very helpful. John, did you want to talk about if we had a chance to win? (laughs) Yeah, I I think the answer is yes and no. I think obviously there was a non-zero probability or else we wouldn't have entered. And I think, but I do think sometimes when we do apply to these things, it's a really daunting, it's a very daunting thing to, and scary to apply. But I think one thing that you know, Camille and I always say to ourselves is, you know, you make 0% of the shots you don't try for. And so I think we were hoping to at least make it to, you know, the semifinals or the finals as a way to practice and get as much feedback as Camille said, but we weren't expecting to win the, the grand prize by any means. And what a great lesson that by, of course, the the uh, the Gretzky line and uh, not you know making zero percent of the shots that that you don't take. 
Um, but also the learning that by simply going through the competition, you made, it sounds like you felt that you were able to make your business better. You got questions that made you think differently or create different opportunities and solutions. And that, that's, a, that's a terrific lesson um, as well. For any entrepreneurs listening to this, um, what is your advice maybe more broadly? I mean, uh, what does it take maybe even spiritually, intellectually, energy-wise um, besides, of course, the fact that you, you know, just need to be able to live on no sleep at all. Um, what does it take to be an entrepreneur? So I don't think there's any one way to do it. And you know, Camille and I are you know, one or two data points in, um, in this process. Uh, so maybe three things to, to think about. I think the first thing and, and probably the most important is to work on something you actually really care about solving. You're going to spend a lot of time trying to work on the solution. You're going to be spending a lot of time um, talking to people, uh, working through the, you know, the, the, the trenches of it. And so it's really important to find a North Star or something, something, someone and a problem that you really care about because that, that's going to help you get through the tough times. Uh, the, the second is to really to dive in. As I said, there's not going to be a light bulb going off moment. And for me, there was a lot of inertia to try to get started. It was really scary to make the jump. And I think part of entrepreneurship is to just take a leap of faith and know that there's going to be a lot of rejections. There's going to be a ton of no's, but there might be someone um, or you know something that will indicate that, yes, it is possible. And so you're not going to know until you try. And then third, you mentioned this about no sleep. Uh, I do think it's one thing you know we were really surprised by is how much of an emotional roller coaster um, being mm-hmm. an entrepreneur can be. Like it, it can be really lonely and really draining. And I think that's why you know, Camille and I are so grateful to have found each other. And I really recommend having a co-founder uh, to be on this crazy journey with you and to actively communicate with each other. I think there's going to be tensions and conflict and working through it and not letting it you know, be hidden under the rug is really important. Um, and then finally, to, to take care, care of yourself, both mentally and physically. It's, you do need sleep because you're, it's, a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Camille, anything that you wanted to add on that front? Maybe uh, a big thumbs up for sleep? I think um, Jowen pretty much summed it up um, pretty well. <laughs> good, good. I, I felt that way as well. Other feedback. I don't know to what extent you have investors already. So where are you on that stage? Or do you see this as a pure bootstrap, run a business, that, that type of thing? Yeah, the funny thing is we actually launch our pilot um purely bootstrap, um, but we're also very lucky to have um, YC um, support us um, in our- Y y Combinator? Y Combinator, um, including some angels, mainly like um, family, friends, and mentors. Um, So we are trying to be disciplined as well. Um, We only are like took on what we need um, for a pilot, and then we will see things um, from there. And- um, in terms of the people behind us, Y Combinator, or Angels, I think they were very helpful in terms of not just giving us advice, but specifically for Y Combinator, they were able to give an environment of multiple founders going through the same process, having an incredibly motivating and supportive community of 
early stage startups going through similar challenges. Um, I think a lot of entrepreneurship is about managing yourself, your emotions, and um, on top of like the business and having um, that support system has been incredible. Camille, Joanne, tell me a little bit more about both of you, about your upbringing. We know that you're from the Philippines and from China, Camille and Joanne, but tell me, where were you educated? What was school like there? And then after your initial education, after undergrad, you both did have some experience in the professional world. And I think that's good to learn about as well. So Camille, why don't we start with you? Yeah, sure. Um, as you mentioned, I think both Sean and I uh, grew up in areas where the need for financial inclusion was really important. And that's where we, um, well, how we ended up where we are right now. But personally, growing up in the Philippines, I was always excited with the idea of solving problems at the intersection of business and government as an entrepreneur, um, because I think Truly, truly, it's a space that can really impact lives of people from emerging markets like the Philippines. So for me, my undergrad was actually in engineering. But after that, I spent six years in the public-private partnership space, first with McKinsey, a management consulting firm, and then with the Philippine government rolling out um, a few of the first public-private partnership infrastructure projects in the country and then before going to Harvard, um, was in private equity, um, basically doing public-private partnerships across Southeast Asia. And I think somehow looking back, the dots connect um, backwards <laughs> um, and everything ties to what we're doing today, which is um, quite fulfilling. The rest of us call that reverse engineering, but you're the engineer. <laughs> Chow, and tell me more about your background. Sure. So uh, I was born in China and my family immigrated to the U.S. Uh, when I was a kid. So I grew up in Rhode Island on the uh, in the Northeast, hmm. uh, studied economics and political science at Columbia and became growing up and think as a young adult, just became more aware of it's just the inequality of access to opportunity and just thinking about my own like immigrant upbringing and, uh, and comparing it to to those of others in um in my hometown in China. And so after college, um, I was really focused on trying to just learn as much about the world as possible. And my family, um, actually, my, my parents are scientists, so I had no business background at all. And so I first worked in management consulting as well and kind of fell into fintech and consumer payments, consumer financial services, and really enjoyed learning about you know, the way that you know, fintech is really changing the way that um, we're experiencing the world. Um, and then had the opportunity to work for an economic development nonprofit in Southern Africa and Swaziland. I was really energized by the, the problem space and um, the where I could see myself in international development. So Camille and I both did the MPA in international development at HKS where you know we I think we can tell we're both kind of just econ nerds that also care about uh, applying theory into actual practical applications. And um, you know, while in grad school, I had the opportunity to work on a lot of data science projects with uh, the IMF and World Bank and other you know development finance institutions. And Kind of just similar to Camille, having a time to reflect and kind of piecing everything together um, just made me think more about, okay, if I have these skills and this exposure and this expertise, is there something that we can do to um, be part of the, to shrink the change as um, one of uh, my professor's uh, ambassador 
Samantha Power used to say to us, is how do you shrink the change and make something, you have to start with something and, and start small. And uh, I think Camille and I in building Hive is, you know, our our attempt to, to shrink that change and to be a small part of potentially uh, being part of the solution. Exciting things can happen when econ nerds unite, can't they? <laughs> It's good to have both in, in, in lieu of actual multi-billion dollar investments, which surely will come your way uh, sometime soon. Emotional support is very nice. If you can't get billions of dollars of investment, you might as well get emotional support from uh, other smart people. What's next? What's next for the business? What is your vision now? Yeah, I think our vision hasn't changed. Like our Fundamental vision is to enable affordable and quality healthcare for all Filipinos and potentially beyond. And I think what we really want to do is try to reimagine you know, the future of healthcare in Southeast Asia, which is you know, one of the fastest growing markets in the world. And there's definitely still a lot of need to you know, close the a lot of the inequality gaps here. Mm. Uh, and ultimately, you know, right now we're 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 a health insurance companies really focused on reducing the out-of-pocket costs that Camille talked about and the, the financial burden. But ultimately, our goal is to improve health outcomes and to actually build a world where you know, the financial resources don't dictate the life that one can have. And I think having starting in the health financing space and potentially expanding beyond as, as a platform solution to uh, to n- enable people to to live that, the kind of life that they want to live is something that is what we are motivated by every day. Beyond is a not unimportant word to you, is it? I just heard you use it twice. And I noticed as well in something else, I either read or maybe a, one of the videos that you guys did that I saw in preparing for this conversation, I wrote down the quote, we hope you'll join us in reimagining the future of healthcare in the Philippines and beyond. Beyond matters to you guys, doesn't it? A lot of um, things packed into that word. <laughs> yes. But um, I think we're heads down focused on um, the next 12 months first, but um, it's good to see the long-term North Star. This is me being more philosophical, but from a founder experience perspective, we do need to have something to guide us. And that beyond sure represents you know different products and market segments and, and so forth, but it's also a challenge to ourselves and a, you know, a optimism that we have that we can do something to change um, the status quo. Well, it seems quite obvious that beyond, if that's where you aim to go, is where we all will get to meet you both someday. Zhao Wen, Camille, thank you. Thank you for your time. And thank you for what you're trying to do and doing in the healthcare space. And importantly, you just said the phrase around health outcomes, because I think any of us would agree that that is, in the end, that's the purpose. The purpose is to create an environment where individuals get improved health outcomes. So thank you for your time. Thanks Thanks so much, Chris. It's been fun.